Welcome to Flip the Script Podcast. So, so today is March 15th, the Ides of March, and we are going to be covering Julius Caesar. We'll do a little bit of historical background on Julius Caesar, and then we're going to get into some scenes from the play written by William Shakespeare. All right. So first, make sure you hit that like button, hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on audio, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any updates and also share this with your friends. Same thing if you're watching on YouTube or Rumble or wherever else you're watching this, make sure you share this video. It's the best way you can support the podcast. All right. So Julius Caesar was a very influential person in the political realm in Rome. So he was born in around 100 BC on either July 12th or July 13th, right? And he died tragically in 44 BC. As most people know, he was murdered by a close friend named Brutus, right? Now, Brutus, his mom was in a romantic relationship with Caesar for over 20 years. His mom was one of Julius Caesar's mistresses throughout much of Julius Caesar's entire adult life, right? Now, Julius Caesar, ever since he was about 17, he was a pretty much a marked man. There was a Roman general, right? There was fractions going on where there was an inside war. I wouldn't say it was a civil war, but it was a political civil war inside of Rome. And Caesar was on the side that did not win, right? So this general who took power, his name was Sulla, he decided to go after his political opponents and have them killed. Now, instead of arresting and murdering all of his opponents, what he would do is he would make a list of names and he would post those names in the common areas around Rome so that anybody knew whoever was on this list, if they were to kill that person, there would be a reward for them, right? And Julius Caesar's name appeared on that list. Now, so he went on the run, he went underground, he was going house to house, staying with family relatives. He was using his networking and his connections from his family to get away from this. Eventually he receives a pardon from Sulla, but Sulla's not too happy about this. And he tells everybody that this man, Caesar, even though he's a young teenager now, one day he's going to destroy Rome, right? So anyway, Julius Caesar's family sends him to go study abroad into Greece and learn public speaking. While he's there, while he's sailing over there, he gets captured by pirates. They realize that Caesar here is a nobleman in Rome and they, they could get a ransom for him. So they say, we're gonna, we want 20 talents of silver for Julius Caesar. And Caesar says, 20, I'm worth a lot more than 20, ask for 50, right? So they reach out to Caesar's family and they do get that ransom, that ransom comes. And then they allow Julius Caesar to sail off to a nearby port. Caesar, what he does once he gets to the port, he starts recruiting and hiring pretty much armed guards to go back and attack these pirates. So they sail back and the pirates are still anchored where they were. So they come up and they capture all the pirates that had kidnapped Julius Caesar. They take the ransom back that was paid for Julius Caesar. And then Caesar orders them all to be crucified. Now, since he spent a month with these captors and he was joking around, he made relations with them. Out of a show of mercy, he decided to have their throats cut before they were actually crucified. That's the type of guy that Julius Caesar was, right? So he starts wheeling and dealing in Rome, starts making his way up. He becomes governor of Spain for about a year. And then he goes and becomes the governor of Gaul, which is modern day France and Belgium. He does that for about eight years. Then he comes back to Rome and now there's an internal civil war going on. And these aristocrats and these career politicians in Rome are not happy with Caesar. They do not want him to be climbing the ladder any longer and they want him to become a private citizen. So along the way, Julius Caesar makes his way down to Egypt to see if he can talk to the king of Egypt and get 
some troops and some backing to help go and fight some of these battles he's fighting, right? So the king of Egypt, he knows who Julius Caesar is, and he says, um, I, I can't help you with that, but what I do want is I want you to help command my armies, help train my armies, and help me fight the battles for Egypt, right? Julius Caesar declines that offer. So the king of Egypt has Julius Caesar pretty much imprisoned in an attempt to try to sway him to go and fight and help train Egypt's armies. Now, the king of Egypt at the time is Cleopatra's brother. So the king of Egypt and Cleopatra are actually supposed to be co-rulers, right? Their father made them co-rulers of Egypt. Now, Cleopatra and her brother had it fallen out. So Cleopatra went underground and went into hiding because she was in fear of being killed by her brother. So Cleopatra approaches Julius Caesar while he's in his imprisonment in Egypt. And she says to him, I could get you out of here, but I need you to help me take over my brother. I need you to help me kill my brother. So Julius Caesar agrees and they take out Cleopatra's brother and Cleopatra takes on the power and becomes the queen of Egypt. So now Julius Caesar and Cleopatra, they start a romantic relationship together. And Cleopatra tries to entice Julius Caesar to stay in Egypt with her and become king of Egypt. And she promises and you could rule with me and they could be a power couple, right? So Julius Caesar recognizes this and sees that she's trying to take him away from his homeland and his ambitions that he had. So he declines and he heads back to Rome, right? He ends up winning a couple battles, wins a battle against Pompey and he decides to make himself dictator of Rome, right? So Julius Caesar is credited with taking Rome from a republic to an empire, right? So he declares himself dictator. There's a lot of problems going on in Rome, and especially in the government, and especially within the career politicians in the Senate inside of Rome. And Julius Caesar wanted to clean this up, right, and make Rome work better for the citizens of Rome. Now, as you can imagine, the aristocrats and these career politicians in Rome did not like that. And they thought that this guy is going to bring Rome to its knees, right? Now, the people of Rome loved Julius Caesar because he brought a lot of reforms to Rome that was desperately needed, right? However, not everybody felt that way, especially within the government of Rome, right? So now there's a scene in William Shakespeare's play where you have Flavius and Marullus walking around and they see two commoners on the street and they say, what are you guys doing? Why are you guys all dressed up? Why are you all dressed up? This is a work day. What do you do for work? So one commoner is like, oh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm this and I'm that. And they're like, well, why are you not working? Why are you out on the street dressed up in fancy clothes? So they go on to say, oh, well, we went to go see Caesar speak, right? And celebrate his accomplishments. So this is what Marullus says to these commoners. He says, Wherefore rejoice, what conquests bring him home? What tributaries follow him to Rome? To grace in captive bonds his chariot wheels. You blocks, you stones, you worse than senseless things. Oh, you hard hearts, you cruel men of Rome. Knew you not many a time and oft have you climbed up the antle battlements and towers and windows, yea, to chimney tops, your infants in your arms, and there have sat the live long day with patient expectation to see the great Pompey pass the streets of Rome. And when you saw his chariot but appear, have you not made a universal shout that Tiber trembled underneath her banks to hear the replication of your sounds made in her concave shores? And do you now put on your best attire? And do you now call out holiday? And do you now strew flowers in the way that comes in triumph over Pompey's blood? So what he basically says is, what is he celebrating? Talking about Caesar. What has he done to receive such adoration? So he calls them idiots. And then he says, once you did whatever you could to cheer on Pompey as he rode through the city of Rome. And now 
you put on your best clothes and you take off of work to celebrate Pompey's murderer. So obviously Flavius and Marullus are not too happy that Caesar's being celebrated. And they actually go on in the play to go down and take down the decorations that are posted all over Rome celebrating Caesar, right? So they end up getting in trouble for that. They ended up being um, receiving some type of punishment for that. So then Caesar receives a warning from a soothsayer, right? And he's calling out Caesar, Caesar. And Caesar says, who is this? What, what is he saying, right? So Brutus tells Caesar, this is a soothsayer telling you to beware the Ides of March, right? So Caesar calls the soothsayer up and says, say again, what are you saying? And he says, beware the Ides of March, beware March 15th, right? So Caesar says, this guy's crazy. Send him away from me, right? He brushes them off. Now, at the same time, now there is a active plot being strewed up by Cassius and a couple of other people. And they're trying to recruit Brutus, who's one of the closest people to Caesar, to kill him, basically, right? Now, in this scene, Cassius says to Brutus, Brutus, I do observe now of late. I have not from your eyes that gentleness and the show of love as I want to have. You bear too stubborn and too strange a hand over your friend that loves you. So basically what he says is, Brutus, I have observed lately that you do not seem to have the same feelings towards me that you once had, and you have been stubborn and unfriendly to me and your friend who loves you. So Brutus says, Cassius, do not be deceived. If I have veiled my look, I turn to trouble of my countenance, merely upon myself, vexed I am, of late with passions of some difference, conceptions only proper to myself, which give some soil, perhaps, to my behavior. But let not, therefore, my good friend be grieved, among which number, Cassius, but you one nor construe any further my neglect than for poor Brutus with himself at war forgets the show of love to other men. So Brutus tells Cassius, don't be fooled. If I have looked different lately, it has nothing to do with you. I have been preoccupied with personal affairs. So don't worry about our friendship. Just know that I am at war with myself and haven't been myself. So now Cassius realizes that there's something going on inside of Brutus and Brutus isn't too happy. He says, you've been acting really weird. I don't know what's going on. So Cassius says, don't worry about me, I understand I might be acting a little bit differently, but just know that it doesn't do with you or our friendship. It has to do with me. I'm at war within myself. And he doesn't really know how to go about that, right? So then Cassius says to him, I wish that you could see what others think about you and see how you look right now. He goes, many people respect you. Try to start buttering them up. Many people respect you. And they wish that you could do something about the tyranny that's going on in today's government, right? So now Cassius starts to lay the seed into Brutus and say that there's a tyranny going on, right? That Cassius is trying to plant the seed of something into him. So he asks Cassius, what are you what are you alluding at? It sounds like something dangerous and I don't want to have it in me, right? So then Cassius goes on to say, I'll listen to what I'm about to say. Let me be your mirror. If you don't believe me that Julius Caesar is becoming a tyrant and my genuine observations then consider me dangerous, right? So now there's shouting going on in the streets, right? So Brutus and Cassius are wondering what's going on. What is this shouting? And then what Brutus says, he says, what is all the shouting? Why are they shouting? I'm afraid that people are choosing Caesar for king. Cassius picks this up and says, I, do you fear it? Then I must think that you would not have it so. Meaning you fear it, then I must believe that you wouldn't have it otherwise. Meaning that you would rather Caesar not be king. So Brutus kind of stumbles back a little bit and is like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Uh, I love Caesar very much, right? Uh, so he tries to change the subject and goes, what are you trying to tell me, Cassius? He goes, uh, what is so important that if it is good for everybody, then I will listen to you, even if it means death. I love honor more than I fear death, right? And the way he says that uh, in the old English, he goes, um, I would not Cassius, yet I love him well. 
but wherefore do you hold me here so long? What is that you would impart to me? If it is aught toward the general good, set honor in one eye and death in the other, and I will look on both indifferently. For let the gods send me, as I love the name of honor more than I fear death. So then Cassius really starts to plant the seed now, and he says to him, um, basically, I know you are honorable, Brutus, but I also know that you are loyal to Caesar. But my point is honor. I cannot speak for other men, but for me, I cannot live worshiping a man no more special than myself. Both Caesar and I were born free men, and we were friends at one time. And I saved his life in the river Tiber. I also seen him cry out like a little sick girl when we were in Spain. And now he's looked upon as a god, and I'm a mere worker. So there's more shouting going on, right? So Brutus says there's more shouting. I believe they are choosing Caesar as a king, right? St. Cassius, to really put the nail in the coffin into Brutus, he says he does walk around the world like a giant. Like we petty men walk under his huge legs and look around until we are in our graves. Men may be masters of their own fates, but sometimes they do themselves an injustice. Why would Caesar be any more important than you, Brutus? Your name is just as good as his. They're both easy to say. What makes him better than you? What has happened to Rome? Once Rome bared many great men, now it seems that there's only room for one. You know what our ancestors said. They would let the devil rule Rome before a king. So Brutus says to Cassius, listen, I know I'm not jealous of Caesar. And I think I know what you're asking. He goes on to say, I have thought about this before, but now I ask that you say no more. Listen to me. I'd rather be a nobody of Rome than living in these conditions. So Brutus says, I know what you're asking me. And I thought about this, talking about killing Caesar. He says, but I, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want anything to do with this plot. I don't want anything to do with killing Caesar. I'd rather be a nobody in Rome than live with, with under these conditions, meaning having to basically kill Caesar, who was a very close person to him, a very influential person to him, especially in his adolescence growing up. Right? So eventually Cassius does get Brutus to agree to kill Caesar. And they, in real life, they have about 60 conspirators together, right? So Caesar's being warned throughout this whole thing. He's saying, you know, beware the Ides of March. There's something happening and Caesar's, you know, pushing it off. His wife even had uh, dreams that she was holding his dead body, right? Now, she was not a type of person to believe in prophetical dreams or any of that stuff. She was an atheist. She didn't believe in the gods, but something's telling her something bad is going to happen, right? So, now, listen, when you have 60 people in on a conspiracy, it is not likely that there is going to be any type of secrecy, right? There's someone that's going to leak something, right? So now what they do is they, Cassius and Brutus and a whole bunch of other people meet up at Brutus's house and they plot this, right? So their plot is to get Caesar in the Senate hall and have him start making some decisions, start hearing some cases, and that is going to get close to him. So then the scene where Julius Caesar gets murdered, they're in the Capitol and the Senate is in session. And Caesar says to the soothsayer, hey, the Ides of March have come. And the soothsayer says, I, Caesar, but not gone. He says, yes, but they are not gone yet, right? So now you have some people saying, hail Caesar, please read out the schedule. Caesar says, um, are we ready to have this Senate session? What does the Senate and I need to address, right? So Metellus comes up and says, most high and mighty Caesar, I throw myself at your feet with a humble heart. And he starts kneeling, right? So Caesar says to him, no need. Your actions may make men uh, think that I am persuaded by such flattery. And goes, but your brother has been banished and I will not grant him a pardon without good reason, right? So Metellus goes on to say, uh, Caesar, uh, isn't my voice enough to petition for my brother's pardon, right? So Caesar says, Caesar never did wrong with just cause. 
nor without cause will he be satisfied. So Metellus says, is there no more voice more worthy than my own to sound more sweetly in great Caesar's ear for the repealing of my banished brother? So Brutus says, I kissed your hand. Comes up to Caesar and says, I kissed your hand, not out of flattery, but to show my desire that you grant Publius Simber's claim to freedom. So Brutus says in Old English, I kiss thy hand, but not in flattery, Caesar, desiring that Publius Cimber may have an immediate freedom of repeal. So Caesar asks, what Brutus? And he says, Sincassius comes in and says, pardon me, Caesar, um, as low as thy foot doth Cassius, I beg to enfranchisement for Publius Caesar. He says, I bow at your feet to plead for Publius Cimber. Right? So Caesar says, I could be convinced if I were you, talking about Cassius, they had some type of a little bit of clashing. And Caesar had said previously in the play that people like Cassius are dangerous, right? Because they are uncomfortable around men greater than themselves and they are actually dangerous. So Caesar kind of takes a shot at him and goes, I might be convinced if I were you, this might work on you, but not a man like me. He says, I am an immovable as the North Star. They're all made of fire, but there's only one remains unmoving and is the same with men. I'm the only one who will not be moved. I remain firm in my decision. Then Sinus comes up and he says, and Caesar says, what do you want me to do? Lift up Mount Olympus? Then Dacius Brutus says, great Caesar, didn't Brutus beg for him? This is all Caesar's great, right? And then Caesar says, didn't Brutus beg for him? And then Casca says, hands, speak for me, right? So Casca walks up and then the other conspirators and then Brutus stabs Caesar. And Caesar says, eat to Brute, then falls Caesar, which means, and you Brute, then die Caesar. And then Caesar dies. And then Cinna, Cassius, Brutus, Casca, Decius, Brutus, they all start saying, freedom, freedom, freedom from the tyranny, freedom from the tyranny. And then that's the end of Julius Caesar. I'm not going to go into the whole play and there's some stuff that happens after that. But you could get the point, and that is for the commemoration of the Ides of March, Julius Caesar. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. I'm a fan of William Shakespeare and his writing, so I would love to do more of William Shakespeare on the podcast. So if you guys are interested in that, let me know. Hit me in the comments. Make sure you give me a five-star review on the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever else you listen to it at. Uh, make sure you find me on social media. It's flip underscore the underscore script underscore podcast on all social media platforms. Uh, make sure you find me there. Hit me in the comments and see you next time. This is a flip the script podcast out.